Wonderful to see your smiling faces here this morning. Good to be worshiping the Lord with you. Last week, we talked about uh, the peace of a disciple. Do you remember that? It was a long time ago. We talked about the peace of a disciple, and we noted that disciples of Jesus have peace with God because we have been, as Paul told us, justified by faith, meaning that we've been reconciled to God because of the death of his son, which gives us sure hope of salvation in the future when he returns for his people. He says that we've actually been brought into a personal relationship with the living creator of the cosmos because of what Jesus has done for us. Therefore, we have peace with God. So now that we know what has been achieved in this relationship, we know our relationship status with God as disciples of Jesus, we have to ask, what's next? What does this new life, this new relationship uh, look like? For us, for disciples of Jesus. And Paul seems to be following this line of thought logically as he moves in to Romans 6. Now, here's what this is like. It's like if you've been married or in a serious relationship, you know that there's that initial stage of uh, joy because you realize that the other person accepts you and loves you and is willing to give their self to you in that relationship. And there's all kinds of great emotions and realization about the nature of your new relationship. But at some point, you have to start uh, thinking about what it will look like now to really settle into the relationship and what it will look like to walk forward hand in hand in that relationship. Uh, You have to have this relationship together. Because any time we enter into a new relationship, our lives start to look different. Things change. Let me share from personal experience. When I met my dear wife, Hannah, And realized that she was going to keep me around for a while. I was very overjoyed. I was ecstatic. Uh, But when I started, then I started seeing different areas of my life that I knew would have to change. No more sitting around every night and drinking beer with my college roommates and debating the meaning of the universe, right? I had to spend time with this new woman in my life. Uh, I couldn't just spend all that money I was making, that instant cash as a waiter on junk food and skateboards and new clothing and that sort of thing. I needed to start being uh, responsible with my money. I needed to get my savings account above the $3 mark for once. Uh, Things had to change because I was entering into a new life, life with another. Now, that's how it is with human relationships. How much more in the relationship between God and his creatures. How much more? Let's look at Romans chapter 6. Follow along in your bulletins, if you will, and work through a few of these uh, initial verses. Paul says this, Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. You see, Paul's addressing it. He's worried that the gospel of grace is going to get misconstrued as God loves me and accepts me, therefore it doesn't matter what my life looks like. Because God accepts me no matter what. And Paul's saying, by no means, do not think that way. Don't think that way because it's a misunderstanding of what the gospel does to a person who accepts it. He says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
Therefore, we've been buried with him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Now think about how beautiful that imagery of baptism is. Have you ever thought about baptism in this imagery? Paul says what happens in in your baptism, or we could think about it of when you come to an age where you can place your faith in Christ, maybe you were baptized as a baby. But what happens, the symbol is of being brought down into Christ's death, buried with him united with him but then raised up right so the the practice of baptism in the earlier days was pretty much solely by immersion pouring over the head is valid don't worry Uh, but it was the symbol of coming back up out of the water into a new life at that point united with jesus right this is what paul means when he says newness of life that we are to walk in newness of life it's beautiful stunningly beautiful imagery of the sacrament of baptism Then Paul says this, we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly be united with him in a resurrection. Now think about those six words. We have been united with him, meaning we are in a new, fully committed relationship, right? We're in a new relationship. It's like a marriage, right? This is why the Bible uses the imagery of a marriage to describe Christ and his church, a bride. Christ is the bride and the church is the bridegroom, marital images. And so it is with the individuals and their relationships with the Lord. It's a kind of new marriage. You have a new life in Jesus, a new life in him, united with him. And Paul says that because we've been united with him, we too might walk in newness of life. We too might walk in a kind of resurrected life with new power. Things change. Well, what does he mean by that? What does he mean exactly by newness of life? He's saying that when you were baptized, you, or when you came to an age when you could put your faith in Jesus, you began a new life. Things changed. And just like in a human marriage, things are going to start to change. You're going to get transformed. Here's what happens, right? Going back to human marriage, when you get married, the other person, they start to rub off on you as you spend time in their presence. But you have to make yourself available to them, right? To do that, you have to spend time in their presence. They start to rub off on you. Now, when I married Hannah, a fiscally responsible woman, if ever there were one, I eventually started to manage my money better because I saw how she managed her money. I paid attention. Her character was rubbing off on me, and I finally got to a point where my savings account was higher than $3. Woohoo! Uh, but her character was rubbing off on me. When we enter into a relationship with, with Jesus into this new life, he should start to rub off on us. His, his character should start to shape our character. It should become our character. And over time, across the whole span of our entire lives, little by little, we should start to look more and more like he does. More and more like he does. This is how new life begins. This is the new life of a disciple. But it's important to think about how this works. Because it isn't all about how hard we can try or how much we can achieve through mere willpower. Here's what I mean. Think about how your natural life is derived from your parents. Your natural life is derived from your parents, your biological parents. Now, you actually have to nourish that life to keep it alive or you can lose it, right? You have to feed yourself and rest and take care of yourself or you can lose it. But you have to remember that that life wasn't something that you made, it was given to you, and you have to be a steward of it. C.S. Lewis says, for Christians, it's just like that for Christians. We've been given this new life from God, 
but we actually do have to make an effort to keep it up because if we neglect it, that Christ life that has come into us is going to start to slip away from us. We're going to start to walk away from it if we neglect it. So you're asking, well, what does that effort look like? What does that effort look like for me when I wake up tomorrow morning? Well, sales pitch next week's sermon, we're going to talk about the habits of a disciple, the habits of a disciple. We're going to discuss some very formative things that should be a part of every disciple's life that have a transformative effect on us as followers of Jesus that help us be shaped more and more into his character. But for now, in the meantime, here's an idea. Engage the Lord in his word. Engage the Lord in his word. Maybe you already have a practice of doing that. Awesome. Keep it up. If you don't, here's an idea. Take your bulletin home. Take your bulletin insert home and, and, and take a pen and, and with a prayerful heart, tear that thing apart. Make underlines, circle things that stick out to you, uh, uh, highlight commands that Jesus says. Make question marks by things that uh, Jesus says that confuse you or that are very difficult. If you do today's gospel passage, there will be a lot of those because Jesus says some pretty difficult, challenging things about what it means to be committed to him as a disciple. Engaging him in his word will have a formative influence on you. I guarantee it. St. Tikhon of the Orthodox tradition, very cool name, right? Probably not very popular uh, name in the Western world for kids these days. But uh, St. Tikhon of the Orthodox tradition says this, whenever you read the gospel, Christ himself is speaking to you. And while you read, you are praying and talking with him. Have you ever thought about it like that? Maybe, maybe you've thought about reading the Gospels as a kind of uh, academic discipline or, or that you're simply just reading nice stories about a man who lived 2,000 years ago. And see, if that's your view, you'll never be motivated to study the Gospels. You'll never be motivated to get into the Word. But if you think of it like St. Tikhon says, as a live conversation where the voice of Jesus influences you, where you can bring questions to him, you just might be compelled to do it more often, right? So it has, makes such a difference in how we think about engaging God's word. Now, here's what will happen if you make a practice of this. His life will become your life. His character will rub off on you because you're making yourself available to him. You're giving him the time. You're opening yourself up for him to have an influence on you. And here's what happens. His humility, Jesus' humility in the face of insult, will become your own. That pesky coworker or friend or family member who's always condescending and insulting every time you get together, you find yourself lifting them up in prayer. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. His fearlessness to speak the truth about God will give you confidence to do the same. You'll find yourself less worried about your ego and your pride when it comes to speaking about your faith in public to others. He will rub off on you. And his willingness to die so that others can have a relationship with God will create a deeper desire in us to invite others to experience that new life as a disciple of Jesus. You see, the closer that you become to Jesus, the more you will experience his influence. And guess what? You can begin wherever you are. This isn't for only spiritual masters who have achieved some certain level. It's for anyone who wants to grow in their life 
with Christ. C.S. Lewis describes the whole thing like this. Good things as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. That's what Paul says happens in baptism is that we get into the one who has those things. Paul tells us today uh, in this passage a little bit further down, he says, consider yourselves dead to sin. That is, consider yourselves dead to that old way of life where you were stuck in those old desires, where you were not paying attention to God. Consider yourselves dead to that. That's what happened when you went into those waters that died away and consider yourselves alive to God in Christ Jesus, alive to God in Christ Jesus. So here's a question for us to wrestle with today. Have I been considering myself completely dead to the old life and totally alive to the new life in Jesus Christ? That word consider that Paul uses, it means to take into account, to look upon, to let one's mind dwell upon, to believe. You see what Paul's saying in essence, he's saying, reflect upon who you are in Christ. Reflect upon, consider your relationship with God because you have peace with God if you're a disciple of Jesus. Consider that. Because if you know who you are to him, you will take hold of the new life that he offers you. You will find it exciting and joyful if you recognize who you are in him. James tells us in his epistle, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That is a comforting promise that should reshape the way that we think about our relationship with God, about our prayer life. It should reshape the way that we think about who we are as a child of God. It's a promise that when we draw near to him, he will respond. He will draw near to us. What if we started every day with those words on our lips and in our hearts? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. They remind us that there's a mutuality, that there's a cooperation in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Just like a marriage, there's cooperative effort in our relationship with the Lord. And you can be sure that anyone who's willing to make that effort will always find a Jesus with his arms wide open. Guaranteed. You will always find Jesus with his arms wide open. Do you know why? Because he's the one actually drawing you to himself. You know when those thoughts pop in your head on a busy morning, you should stop and pray. You should find some strength maybe for today by reflecting on the scriptures. You know when you hear those voices? That's his voice drawing you in. He died so that you could have a new life. Do you think he's going to stop there? No. No. He's going to keep pursuing every one of us. He always is pursuing every one of us. Now, here's the thing about all this. The new life of a disciple is not fundamentally about your moral life. It's not fundamentally about how many hours a week you can spend reading the Bible or praying. No. This new life is fundamentally about growing in intimacy with God. That is fundamentally what it is about. Those other things are a result, will result from intimacy with God. 
The book of Exodus tells us this crazy thing. It says this in Exodus chapter 33. The Lord used to speak with Moses face to face as with a friend. As with a friend. That was a unique relationship back then that only Moses had, that level of intimacy. But guess what? Because Jesus has died and ushered us into an intimate relationship with the Father, we all get to enjoy that friendship with God. That's amazing. We all get to walk in newness of life. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we acknowledge your presence here with us today. We give thanks to you for... uh, pursuing us, even uh, in times of dryness in our lives, in times of uh, just forgetting about who we are in you and uh, making a commitment to keep up our end of the relationship. Uh, We thank you that you never let us go. We ask, Lord, that you'd speak to each of us today, that you would uh, just break down any walls that we have, Lord, in our hearts, and that we'd be able to hear your voice, what you're saying to us as individuals um, as we move forward into this, this new life, which is always a new life for us. Lord, we ask that uh, this week that you would bring about transformation in each of us. Show us the areas of our life where uh, you want to be deeper involved with us, where you want more intimacy with us. Lord, open us up to that. And as we proceed forward to come around your table and gather in this intimate moment with you where you uh, commune yourself to us, uh, Lord, open us up, making us, make us vulnerable to receive that and to be um, to, re- to receive not just solace, uh, but strength, strength to be people who walk in the newness of life as your disciples. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.